Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Are you planning a high altitude trip like the Everest Base Camp Trek or the Inca Trail? If so, you've probably heard people talk about Dymox and other high altitude medications. Could this little pill be the magic bullet that will help get your ass over the pass? Well, yes and no. In today's episode, we're talking all about medications for altitude sickness prevention. I'll share the advice I've gathered from high altitude guides around the world, plus a few hard earned lessons from my own experience. So have a listen. Antiside of Dymox is a good choice for you. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks, of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how you doing? I am awesome. I just can't even tell you. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster of a week. I've been really kind of struggling with some things that have been going on. This is what happens when you stop drinking, by the way. (laughs) I feel like my brain kind of protected me for the first few weeks. It's like, it's okay, just get used to this. And then once it kind of felt like I could handle it, it's like, hey, here's some self-awareness and just like dumped it on me like a truckload of bricks. So yeah, just kind of processing a few things about my life that I'm not crazy about that I was able to drink away before and now can't avoid. But As I was going through this, I was kind of sitting at my computer yesterday, just feeling super mopey and sad. And I got a phone call and found out that some of my best friends in the world, the people that make me the happiest, they're coming to Colorado on Memorial Day weekend. And they're like, do you want to meet up in Crestone? And while we're there, we'll go hiking, we'll go to the sand dunes, and then we'll cruise over to Leadville, and then we're going to come up to Buffalo Creek. And I'm like, oh, I just... I can't even imagine anything better. So just feeling like so much excitement, so much gratitude. It almost felt like a miracle, just the timing of that call yesterday. So I just can't imagine anything that would make me feel better than that. 
So for those of you who are interested in planning your own fun in Colorado this summer, or if you're traveling to another high altitude place, maybe you're going to the Himalayas, to South America, Mexican volcanoes, one of the most important things you're probably thinking about is how to prevent altitude sickness. And one way to do that's becoming popular and that I'm actually getting more and more questions about every year is medications. There are medications you can take that will help to prevent altitude sickness. They'll also help to treat altitude sickness if you do happen to get it. So more and more people are starting to bring those to their trips when they travel to the high altitudes. Even here in Colorado, it's really interesting. Like back in the early 2000s, when I first started using Dymox for some of my trips, it was really only for extreme things, right? If you're going to Tibet, where the towns are 14,000 feet, above sea level, that's when you take the Dymox. But I have noticed that a lot of people are using it in Colorado, even if they're just going to a ski town to ski, just so that they can feel better, so they can adapt faster. And especially it comes up in the context of climbing our 14,000 foot peaks here, our 14ers. I get a lot of questions about people that wonder if maybe they should try it if they're gonna be climbing a 14er, especially if they don't have any experience with altitude. So yeah, let's dive into all of that. Let's talk about it right now. And I'll just start with talking a little bit about what are these medications? You may be hearing about them for the first time on our program. You might be like, wow, there actually is a thing I can take to prevent altitude sickness. Like, that sounds like a magic bullet. And it isn't, it isn't, as we'll talk about. But basically, yes, there's medications that can help our bodies adjust better to the altitude, prevent altitude sickness, so we can enjoy our trips more. The most common one in the United States is called Dymox. I'm going to use Dymox in this program. It's kind of a catch-all for all of them. But do keep in mind that Dymox is actually a brand name. The generic name for that medication is acetazolamide. So it might be called different things, different places, different parts of the world. And also keep in mind, it is one of several medications like this that are available. So talk to your doctor about what's available by you. And if it's not Dymox, that's okay. That doesn't mean it won't work. It probably is something similar with a different name. So how does this Dymox work? No one knows exactly why, but some things we think it does. It does lower the pH of your blood by helping your body excrete bicarbonate, which is something you make, we start to make when you go to altitude. And the interesting thing about this is that it stimulates deeper breathing. So both having a lower blood pH and just breathing more deeply, they help you to prevent acute mountain sickness, which is the formal name for altitude sickness. Now, that might sound like magic. That might sound awesome. But as we'll talk about, it's not exactly a magic bullet. It's not like an all or nothing thing. It kind of helps, but doesn't completely help. It's also somewhat controversial, especially among guides and climbers. As we'll talk about, there are some aspects of it that maybe you should keep in mind that aren't so great. So we'll dive into those in a moment. And just the last thing I want to say before we really take a deep dive is keep in mind I'm not a doctor. I'm sharing from conversations I've had with high altitude guides. I'm sharing from my own experience. This is not medical information. This does not prepare you to go to China and buy some Dymox over the counter and take it. It's just to give you an idea whether or not this might work for you, might help for you. Definitely, you're going to be talking to your doctor or your travel clinic before you take this medication. So 
The thing everyone always wants to know about Dymox is, does it work? And I'll share my first two experiences with this, because I think they're both actually really illustrative. So my first experience taking Dymox, I think it was around 2005, I took a trip to Tibet, and basically it was a road trip for most of it. We were driving in a car through Tibet, going up to different towns. We were gradually ascending, so each town was a little bit higher. And we were taking the Dymox so that we would, you know, be able to enjoy the trip. We weren't really doing anything terribly active, but we even just sitting in the car, we wanted to make sure we weren't sitting there with a splitting headache. So to the Dymox work, it worked really, really good, actually, for the first maybe week of the trip. And then we got to the top, the very top, the top of the Himalayas, and we actually went to what's called the Rongbuk Monastery, which is near Everest Base Camp. So we actually took a, a like a pony cart ride over to the actual base camp and then walked back because it was downhill. And then we, we wanted to stay overnight at the monastery because that was an option. And our guides were telling us, this is a really bad idea. It's really different to drive up here than it is to walk up here. We've come up a couple thousand feet. This monastery is around, I can't remember, like 16, 17,000 feet. You're not acclimatized to sleep up here. And we're like, oh, no, no. That's like the experience of a lifetime. We want to sleep in the cool monastery by the base camp. So we did. And that night, I just remember all three of us, we're all on Dymox, the three of us on the trip, we're just like laying in our room on our beds and we're all like describing the throbbing in our heads. We're like, yeah, it's like a nail. Someone is driving a nail between my eyeballs. So that's the limits of the Dymox. If you go up too fast and it's not going to help, it's not going to work. And you're just going to feel like absolute dog poop. I remember the next day at breakfast, our guide came and he's like, do you want to go and see this and that like around the monastery? And we're all kind of green and not eating. And we're like, please take us lower. <laughs> this is hell <laughs> on earth. And this, this is why we were all taking Dymox. So the big lesson I think to take from that is it can really help, but it while it can really help, it's no substitute for careful trip planning, for slow, reasoned ascent, and just following all the rules of altitude travel. You should not be sleeping, for example, more than 15 feet higher than where you slept the night before is an important rule that we follow that we broke in that case. And then just quickly, my second experience with it was actually an experience where I was the only person on the trip not taking Dymox, and that was when we climbed Kilimanjaro. So nine people, eight taking Dymox. I'm the only one that's not. And we actually ascended the mountain pretty quick. I think, once again, probably not... We were following the rules, like we were sleeping within 1,500 feet, but we also were moving pretty quick and probably exerting harder than we should have be on the trip up. So first one to get altitude sickness, it was me. I was actually like throwing up and miserable at Camp 3, which is 15,000 feet. And, you know, we had like a few hours to recover before we actually started to make our summit push from there. And I started to feel a little better. The guide put the pulse ox thing in my finger. He's like, yeah, you can go to the top. It's totally fine. You, you seem like you're, you're doing okay. This throwing up thing, it's not all that unusual. So yeah, we all started walking up. It was like nine of us. And as we're going up, I'm actually feeling better and better. I'm like, ah, you know, I think I'm finally acclimatizing. I just needed to catch up with myself. And as we go up, all the people on Dymox start to get sick. And then some of them start to throw up. Some of them actually didn't summit. And by the time we got back down to Camp 3, I was like perfectly fine and everybody, not everyone else, but a few of the people were really ill. So I don't know. The Dymox, it kind of 
allowed me to get sicker sooner, but it allowed me to get better sooner. And that's always something that's really stuck with me. I think that's actually kind of interesting. So, so I know that was a, a ton of stories. You're like, tell me about the Dymox. Like, how do I figure out if this is for me and whether I should use it? So a couple things about who should use it. We'll talk about the pros and cons in just a minute, but I think it really might be worth a try if A, you're traveling from low elevation to do a high altitude trip, something like Everest Base Camp, the Inca Trail, the which goes to Machu Picchu. Even if maybe you're skiing in Colorado, it could be an option for you. It's especially useful if you have a history of altitude sickness. There's certain people that just seem to be kind of prone to it. They start getting it like around 9,000 feet. They, they feel terrible. And if that's something that's been in your history, medication might be something I might try or might consider in the future. So benefits of Dymox. One thing that we do know is it's pretty good at preventing altitude sickness when used with other precautions, such as taking time to acclimatize, keeping your pace nice and reasonable, and also, like I talked about, keeping your sleeping places within 1,500 feet of each other. That's really, really important. Taking Dymox does not allow you to break the acclimatization rules. We'll talk about why in just a moment. And as I mentioned earlier, Dymox can also be used to treat acute altitude sickness. I actually talked to a guide who, he's a guide that has guided Everest, like guided all over the world, like he's climbed and made all these first descents. And he's like, I don't take Dymox for prevention like a lot of people do. I do still carry it because I know if I were to get altitude sickness or maybe somebody with me were, we can take it as treatment to help ourselves feel better. For me personally, thinking about my climbs in South America, in Mexico, the big benefit of Dymox for me has always been that it helps me sleep better. I'm a terrible sleeper at altitude. I'll just be up for days if I'm left to my own devices. And I wouldn't say the Dymox makes my sleep amazing. It doesn't make it like sea level, but it makes it so that I can <laughs> sleep a little bit. So that's one of the reasons I actually choose to take it sometimes on some of the trips. It also helps me eat. Being a good eater is really important at altitude. A lot of the people that are really successful at altitude are the ones that are able to keep their appetite. That's such a huge thing that a lot of people overlook. Appetite makes you not hungry and it can make you feel nauseous after you eat. So you can kind of get around that by eating carefully, not eating things that are too fatty, keeping meals light. But you know, it's so important just to be able to eat what's given to you, especially on some of these big expedition style trips, international trips. So the one thing I like about the Dymox is it keeps my appetite almost like Colorado, almost like home, which if you know me, I have a huge appetite. I'm like eating all the time. So that's a good thing, I think. Downsides of Dymox. It's like I mentioned a few times, like, do you see me like banging this nail so hard over and over again? It is not a substitute for proper acclimatization. I've heard people say things like, oh, I'm going to come to Colorado and I'm short on time. I don't have time to spend like the intermediate day they recommend in the front range in Denver or Colorado Springs. And the only way I can really make it work is to drive straight to the mountains and start climbing the 14er the next day. So I'm going to take Dymox, so it'll all be okay. And that's really not true. The thing to keep in mind is the Dymox, it's not actually like changing your physiology. It's not like making you actually acclimated. It's not making you grow new red blood cells or raising your iron levels or decreasing your plasma levels or any of those things that happen over time. 
that help your body adapt to high altitude. What it's really doing is just kind of helping with the symptoms. So you're still, you're not acclimatized. You're not, your body is still pretty weak, but you don't feel it as much. You don't feel as crappy. You don't get the headache, the upset stomach, and some of the other things that go along with that. And the thing that's dangerous about that, I think, is it makes it easy to forget. You're like, I feel pretty good. I can definitely go on a hike. I can do anything. This altitude sickness, this thing, it's got nothing on me when really it does. So it's still so important just to work into your planning to try to come early, have a few days to acclimatize. When we come to Colorado, we recommend that people do that intermediate day at 5,000 feet before they go up to the ski towns, to the mountains, and then also to start slow and pace yourself, even if you're taking the Dymox. And it can be really hard, speaking from experience, when you feel really good, but it is important to keep that in your mind. And kind of along with that is that it can mask signs that your acclimatization is not going well. So I was talking to one of our guides in Bolivia. We were actually talking to him about whether we should take Dymox. We're like, you know, what's your preference with people on your trips? And he said, my preference is that people not take it. You know, I certainly don't say no to people that do take it. But one thing I'm doing as I'm watching my group, especially as we get up higher, is I'm looking at who's on Dymox and who's not. And I'm factoring that in into our turnaround decision. If someone on Dymox is dragging, if they're not feeling well, I take that very, very seriously. It is very normal for people not on Dymox for them to be a little draggy and them not to feel well, but I trust that I'm seeing what's actually going on with them. If that person on Dymox doesn't feel good, that's a really bad sign. They may be getting close to trouble. And then sometimes I make really conservative decisions based on that. So I thought that was really interesting. And I think that's something to keep in mind with yourself when you're taking it. If you're feeling bad, (laughs) it could be very bad. And I mean, you won't necessarily know from your symptoms how bad it is. So it's important to make more conservative decisions, especially if you're going somewhere that's really, really high altitude and you're from really low altitude. Another downside of the Dymox, the climbers talk about this all the time, is the side effects. The side effects are unpleasant (laughs) and they're not necessarily super compatible with like living in a tent when there's snow blowing around. One of the most common things you'll probably notice right away is you get to pee all the time. It literally makes you pee like so much. And the reason for that is it's helping you excrete bicarbonate from your blood that comes out through the kidneys and then you pee it out. That's how the medication helps to lower your blood pH. But man, that is really terrible when there's like a blizzard outside or when you're in maybe a place where the bathroom facilities are not amazing. When you're in a tent and you're a woman, that it's hard to pee in a bottle for us, right? So yeah, the peeing thing, huge. Definitely factor that in, how miserable that's going to be. Other things that can be not necessarily bad, but a little unnerving, it makes like really intense tingling in your extremities. So like I get it in my fingers, my lips, my nose, my face, like they'll be tingling. And it's not just like tingling, like it fell asleep. It's like I've heard people describe it as violent for some people. It's like buzzing almost. It's like, whoa, this is really weird. And usually it just lasts for a few seconds and goes away and you're like, ah, it's the Dymox. But yeah, kind of could be a bit unnerving. Some people get vision changes. I know one person who it made everything look like they were looking through blue sunglasses, which I thought was kind of funny. It also makes food taste terrible, like not all food, but um, certain foods. So I remember being in South America and 
we came down from the mountain. I was still taking my Dymox because we were climbing another mountain. And I went and I got a Diet Coke and tried to drink it. And I'm like, oh, it tastes like diesel fuel. <laughs> this is like so, so terrible. And it'll be like random things. It'll kind of surprise you. Like what doesn't taste good? So given all that, there's the pros and the cons. If you decide this is something you might want to try, a lot of people want to know where to get it. Your primary care doctor can prescribe Dymox. It's a very common medication. They use it for other things besides altitude when treating people for different diseases. So yeah, easy to get from the primary care doctor. Even if you're in the United States and have terrible health insurance, it's really not a very expensive medication. You can get the generic acetazolamide. If you don't have a primary care doctor, travel clinics, if there's one in your town or attached to a health system, are definitely a good place to look. I've also gotten it from the travel clinic. It's also possible if you're going to a country where medications are not real regulated to get it over the counter, that's a possibility for you if you have taken it before, if you've had it prescribed for you before. But I generally recommend you only do that, A, if you actually have had it prescribed before, you know how much to take for prophylaxis, you know how much to take if you have acute illness, and you know if you personally, because of your health history, have any limitations. Also keep in mind, like when you're buying, it, it, I remember like living in Asia and being like, oh my gosh, I can like buy drugs over the counter, like anything I want, like Valium, like <laughs> Ritalin, like whatever. And it's like a 20th of what it is in the States. However, <laughs> a lot of those medications are not going through great quality control either. So it's really important to keep in mind, they can can be adulterated, they can have like really nasty stuff in them, and they can just plain not work. And I swear sometimes they give me worse side effects. So really, really important to remember. Sometimes it's worth it just for peace of mind, just to get it in the States, especially since Diamox is not a real expensive medication. And finally, how to use it. Definitely talk to your doctor, the nurse at your travel clinic. They're going to tell you. It's a little bit different for each person, each trip. But basically, the really important thing to remember is you need to start it before you go to altitude. So if you're actually like flying to altitude, you're flying into someplace like La Paz, Bolivia or Quito, Ecuador, you got to start taking it before you leave home. And just make sure that you keep taking it through the whole time you're at altitude. And then I've heard mixed things about after. Some people say to keep taking it for a day afterwards. I usually do that. And then your doctor will also talk to you about if you have acute illness, they will tell you what's the dose for that, like what's the extra that you would take. And that's a little bit different for each person, kind of depending on your health history and the size of you and probably other things that I don't even know. <laughs> so definitely talk to your doctor about how to use it. And that's about it. That's my scoop on Dymox. If there are any questions that you have about it that I haven't answered, and not necessarily medical questions that you'd ask your doctor, but just about different experiences with it, taking it on different trips, feel free to reach out anytime. You can always reach me through the Facebook group if you're a member. If you're not a member, what you doing? Come and join us. It's so much fun in there. And you can also reach me through my website at misadventurepants.com. If you're on the email list, just hit reply to anything I send you. You can send an email back. I'll definitely be happy to tell you what I know. Or I might say you got to ask your doctor that. You know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so definitely reach out. And yes, 
That is all I have for you this week. So yeah, have a wonderful week. I hope you guys are getting really excited about the springtime, about the opening of travel and some of us being vaccinated, being able to go to places. It's all going to happen really fast, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes. So hang in there. And yeah, I will catch you on the podcast next week. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.